Welcome to the Holistic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Megan, the founder of the Holistic Collective. I've been where you are, facing health concerns and searching for answers. Through holistic health and a dedicated team of practitioners, I discovered the missing pieces to my healing puzzle. And now I'm here cheering you on to find your own unique path to wellness. This podcast is your sanctuary, a place of inspiring stories of personal transformation, practical guidance, and a community to support you along the way. Join us on this relatable journey towards intentional, vibrant, and meaningful living. Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and empowerment coach, discovered the importance of understanding the food she consumed during her own health struggles. Realizing her limited knowledge about the impact of food on her body, she became passionate about sharing this insight with others. Shana is committed to helping people overcome emotional eating to experience mind, body, and food freedom. In this episode, we unpack why diets don't work, how to establish new nutritional foundations, the ingredients for a nourished life, and so much more. So let's dive into the episode. If you know anything about my story, I centered around changing my diet to to dramatically decrease the fatigue that I had in my life. So food is something that is such a pillar in my own life. And I'm so excited to open the floor to have you join us um, on this podcast to talk more into that, because I know there are so many people that have so many dying questions around food, and I'm really hoping we can cover some of those um, topics here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to be that support to people and really talk about it because food is so powerful and it's actually can be simpler than we been led to believe. Mm, We make food so complicated. So, so, so complicated. So tell us about your health journey for starters and how it led to you studying nutritional medicine and healing your relationship with food. Yeah. So the way I actually got into nutrition and went down the path of studying to become a nutritionist and then learning more about holistic health, it was very random. And it was also very much a depiction of how different I was before my health journey compared to once I started on that health journey. So it began probably about 10, 12 years ago now. I was at a music festival, drunk with my friends, And one of my friends was like, my New Year's resolution this year, it's because it was a music festival over the New Year's period, and her New Year's resolution was to go a month without eating meat. And I didn't have a New Year's resolution, and as you do when you're having a few drinks with friends, you're like, yeah, this will be fun to do it together. Let's all not eat meat for a month and just see where it goes. (laughs) Just not even thinking about it, you know. I was in my party days, very different to the way I live my life now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny even thinking back to this because I'm like, wow, I've shifted so much since then. Who is that person? Yeah, totally. Less cute little younger Shana and the way it all unfolded. But yeah, so decided to commit to a month without meat. About four days into that month, my friend started eating meat again, but I was like, nah, you know what? I'm going to stick to this. It's only 30 days. Like, let's just do it 30, 31, whatever it was. And let's just see how it goes. But then I started getting all these questions from people 
if you're not eating meat, where are you getting your iron? If you're not eating meat, are you getting enough protein? And I was like, I do not know what you're talking about. Like I had not been taught anything about nutrition. I was like, I don't know, what's protein? Where do I get it? This is like quite some time ago now, obviously protein, everyone's shouting protein from the rooftops, especially if you're in the health world. But back then I was like, I don't know what you mean. All right, let me look get on Google, where do I get protein from non-meat sources, like vegetarian sources? Um, And same with iron. So I started doing this research and it just kind of opened up this whole can of worms. And it's like, wow, the food we eat is information for our body that can either help us thrive or can feed disease. And over the long term, it can lead us to feeling really unhealthy and really unwell and not thriving. So I started to research, learn all about like vegetarian diet. I changed the way I was eating because a lot of my meals used to be centered around meat, whereas now it was like, okay, well, how do I create balanced meals? How do I get more variety in? How do I make sure I'm full enough and meeting all my nutritional requirements? And after some time of doing this, I was like reading textbooks on nutrition for fun and just like it was all consuming. I loved it. And then I was studying business and marketing, but I hadn't been loving that particular degree. And I'd taken some time off to travel. And when I came back, I realized I was like, I'm loving all of this nutrition stuff. I'm loving learning about health. Why am I not studying that when I'm just doing business and marketing for the sake of it right now? Why not follow my passion and see where this leads? So I actually left that degree and went into a nutrition degree and yeah, dove deep into the world of holistic health. The uni I did it through Endeavor College of Natural Medicine. They really like have a holistic overview of health. So it was very much in alignment with who I am now and like the holistic view I have towards health because food is one piece of the puzzle, but I also love exploring all of the different pieces that I know you also really live and breathe and speak about and preach as well. So that kind of is what got me started. So in a very weird, wacky way, I would never have expected that it completely turned my life around. Um, And obviously since then, my diet has changed and I'm back to eating meat. I did end up staying vegetarian for eight years though, but then eventually my body was like, no, like it's time to reincorporate meat and fish and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And that in itself was its own journey. But every step of the way, I've just continued to be open-minded, to continue learning, to see what works for me, to try different things, to through working with other people, understanding what works for others as well. And I feel like I've developed a really comprehensive understanding of just the foundations of health and how simple it does get to be. And I love what you said about the intentionality behind eating and changing what you're eating through that intention piece because Mm. so many of us follow diets and plans and all the things and they often don't serve us very well so can you speak into that a little bit and and explain maybe why diets don't work yes I love this topic and I myself have been on and off all sorts of different diets over my time pre-studying and pre-studying and the core things I've found the main reasons that they don't work is one because they're not sustainable they tend to have an all or nothing approach where it's kind of like okay you're doing this diet you're eating quote unquote clean or however they want to language it. And it's like you start on Monday and you've got to stick to these guidelines. It's not working with human behavior change. We don't work like that where it's like, okay, we flip a switch and can change our entire lives. That can lead us to feel really unsafe and we just fall back into old habits and old patterns and old behaviors. 
So from that all or nothing approach, it's not sustainable. It's not teaching us to take those small, simple steps to build the new habits that are actually going to last. It's more just kind of like, yep, for this period of time, you're doing this and you're sticking to that, whether it's a diet or whether it's a challenge um, or any of these things like there's a time and place for them. I know some people love 75 hard and might hear if I say something like, oh, it's not going to work long term, they might be triggered by that. And that's okay. In the past, I probably would have been like, no, this stuff can be really helpful. And it can. We're all different. But ultimately, what I've seen from myself and many other people who have gone through various restrictive diets or various restrictive challenges, you end up sooner or later back in the old patterns or habits. So they're not helping us change our behavior. That's like the first thing that all or nothing mentality isn't supportive for us. It's also not focusing on education. So diets, they kind of just tell you eat this, don't eat that, but they're not telling you why. They're not helping you understand the foundations of like, okay, what do you actually need to look for when it comes to choosing out food from the supermarket when you're not following a meal plan? Like what about what makes a snack, a healthy snack versus one that's not going to be supportive for our health? all of these kinds of little variables, it's just kind of like, this is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat, follow this meal plan. That as an example, like um, this is blanket statements here, but using the extremes to just show the examples of like, it's not teaching us like, oh, okay, the reason they've designed these meals in this particular way and the reason that that works for me is because they've got this balance of the protein and the fats and the carbohydrates and I see what they're doing here. They're cutting out these particular foods, which can be inflammatory or little things like that. They're not necessarily speaking to the reasons behind things and therefore not equipping you with the tools to take into your life after you inevitably fall off the diet. (laughs) (laughs) Which is bound to happen if you don't understand the knowledge behind it. And I speak from a place of being there. And even now there's so much that I still don't understand. And I look at labels and now I, and I can identify products that maybe aren't the best or, you know, all the additives and things. And I'm like, Oh, I might give that a miss. So for someone that's in that, in that situation, what would you say to someone who is starting their journey and is starting to look at labels and, try and get away from this diet culture how do you even begin yeah I love this question so my nutrition philosophy is actually very simple at the core it's just eat real food it's not innovative lots of people are saying this it's like that's I've seen so much power in coming back to real foods and really focusing on, okay, is this a real food or is this something that was created in a lab and not necessarily what my body was designed to eat? Or is this something that has been highly, highly processed and is now an ultra-processed food and lost a lot of the nutritional value? The more we can come back to the real foods, the more beneficial it's going to be because it's the way we've evolved. It's the way our body's designed to eat and fuel itself and thrive. That's where the nutrients are in the real foods. So what I mean when I say real foods is things like fresh produce, so seasonal fruits and vegetables, good quality meats, poultry, seafood, fish, if you choose to eat those products. Same with dairy and eggs if you choose to eat them. Then you've got all like the legumes, so beans, lentils, nuts and seeds as well, herbs and spices. They're like real foods, right? We know what they are. They grow out in nature. They're beautiful, abundant, like full of color, vibrancy, most of, most of them. Um, yeah, so it's like that's real food. Whereas when we start to eat a more traditional, conventional diet, like 
from a supermarket, you go into the supermarket, the real food section of a supermarket is minimal, right? You've got the fruit and veggie section, you've got the meat section and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the shelves is highly, highly processed food that maybe some of it started as a real food and it's been highly processed. And others these days we're getting all sort of genetically modified foods or highly processed foods or artificial things. That's where we're going away from the way our body was designed to eat. So ultimately it's just coming back to foods as close to their real food form as possible. Um, And when it comes to choosing products and reading nutrition labels, one of the easiest things we can do is actually just look at the ingredients list instead of all the numbers on the panel. Look at the ingredients list first and just see, okay, what is in this? What ingredients make up this particular food or this particular product? If you recognize those foods as things that fit under those broader real food categories, and it's something that you would have in your fridge or your pantry, or you could make it yourself at home, that's a real food. If that ingredients list is a mile long with all sorts of scientific names or all sorts of numbers or all sorts of things that you're like, I don't know what half of this is, that's not a real food. (laughs) It's actually that simple. And yes, there's nuances and obviously there's um, ways to look at particular products and which one's going to be more supportive or better balanced or those kinds of things. But ultimately, if you can come back to just eating more real food and less of the processed stuff, you're going to feel so much better for it. You're going to give your body an easier job to get the nutrient it needs, one, and two, it's not going to have to detoxify as much of the nonsense. Um, So, yeah, coming back to that real foods is ultimately at the core of it all. I love that because the the ingredients list, there are so many things on that list <laughs> that we often don't understand. Totally. Not to mention why is there so many numbers? Like <laughs> like foods don't have numbers yeah. involved. So why why are they even on there and why is it even in there more importantly? And I know for myself when I started um, the elimination diet that I did, like I hadn't even thought about food and all the things that were going into my body through these processed, um, you know, packaged foods that I was grabbing and buying out of convenience from the supermarket. I had no idea how many other things were in them that my body was also trying to process. And for me, anything that had a long list of ingredients it was a no from me because one, I didn't understand any of them on the label. And two, it was, it was not a whole food, as you say, even things like, um, pasta sauces and things like it was so convenient to grab a pasta sauce from the supermarket. But when I started reading the labels, there was not just tomatoes in there. (laughs) There was everything under the sun in these products. And I felt so silly because I had never stopped to think about that until that point. Yeah, I totally relate with that. And before I went on my own nutrition journey, I was very similar. Like, yeah, a curry, a ready-made curry sauce or something. I'd be like, yeah, this is so healthy. Get my curry, get my chicken, get some like broccoli or whatever. (laughs) It's like so healthy. And then you look at the ingredients when you're aware of them and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Not so good after all. But Yeah, it's like we do the best we can until we know better, right? And it's beautiful when we can become aware and understand and be like, okay, cool. 
that's what I've done in the past. No need to shame ourselves or guilt ourselves because it's like we didn't know better. We weren't taught, unfortunately. I wish this stuff was taught in schools um, and one day I believe it will be. But right now, unfortunately, it's our job to take the power into our hands and be like, okay, it's, yeah, let's have a look at this. Let's like speak up for ourselves and do our own research and just look, take a little bit of extra effort to look at what's actually in the foods we're putting in our body. And it gets easier too, especially once you get used to it. Like now I'm just kind of like, yep, this is great. This is a really easy process. Um, And sometimes for fun, I'll go into a supermarket and like look at all the products and just see what's in them. It kind of makes me a little bit angry. So it's like a bit of a weird, warped fun. But (laughs) yeah, it's just so interesting to see what's in some products. But also once we know that, we are really empowered to be able to make the choices for ourselves and move towards more real food. And in that, one of the things that actually doesn't help diets work is the restrictive nature, that all or nothing nature. So even though I preach eat real food, it's majority of the time, right? We don't have to be perfect. It doesn't mean I can never have something that does have a longer ingredients list. Or let's say I'm on a plane and all I've got available to me is the plain food. I'd hate to see the ingredients of that. Sometimes ignorance <laughs> is bliss. <laughs> I know Absolutely. they're not going to be good. <laughs> But it's not like we have to do it 100% of the time because then it can lead us to being overly obsessed with what we're putting in our body. And then the stress of that can actually counteract the benefit of eating all the beautiful, nutritious food all of the time. So really like being kind to ourselves is a huge part of health and nutrition and understanding that we are doing the best we can. And we've got a lot of deconditioning to do because we've been taught some really weird and wacky things about food. (laughs) Oh, that in itself, hey, the deconditioning is such a process in itself because you realize how conditioned you have become to seek convenience and you seek convenience at all costs. Yeah. And not to mention, like you say, the whole food section of a supermarket is like 5% and then the rest (laughs) is packaged like even you know, all the dairy section, a lot of that stuff is processed and then you get to like cleaning products, which is a whole conversation oh, for a so whole nother true. day. Yeah. You get to the cleaning <laughs> section and there is yeah. just like Chemical potent galore. chemicals in there that should never see the light of day. Yeah. Um, but we'll leave that one for a whole nother <laughs> day. But to someone that is looking to transition to more of a whole food diet, I know there sometimes is some misconceptions around dairy and mm-hmm. gluten, so breads and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, how do you navigate that when you are looking to move towards uh, like a, a more whole foods approach? Yeah. So one of the other things I really believe and preach is that we really need to become body aware on our journey. So it's one thing being told that something's good or something's not but it's also another thing feeling what feels good for us right so for me and on my journey I've seen that gluten is something I consume less often because I don't feel amazing when I consume it because I've become aware of my body I've become aware of how certain foods impact me other people can eat gluten be completely fine and that's great it's 
there's like many nuances to this, so I'll try and answer it as like succinctly as possible. But ultimately what I will say before I get into any of it is like listen to what works for you and also be curious because sometimes we're less aware of certain feelings and sensations and we need to actually build up our body awareness before we can see how the food is impacting us. Like back before I started my food journey, I was eating all sorts of foods that made me feel atrocious and I didn't even know because I didn't know how good I could feel. So the more you focus on eating real foods, the more in tune with your body you'll come but it also will like take some presence with yourself and the sensations and symptoms that arise with different foods and this isn't just with gluten and dairy this is with all kind of foods like what foods really help you thrive and feel good and what foods might be leading to a little bit of like um, fatigue or anxiety or whatever it may be so when it comes to things like gluten and dairy Everyone is very different. Different people are going to be able to tolerate it. Other people are not. As a general kind of rule, the way that gluten-containing products or gluten-containing crops have been processed and modified over the years, they're not as easy to digest as they used to be. Like modern-day wheat is very different to the wheat that was first um, grown agriculturally. And we're seeing that a lot more people are sensitive or intolerant to gluten. Um, and that's because of what's been done to the crop essentially and the highly processed nature of it and things. So as a blanket statement, we probably all would benefit from less gluten in our diet, but it's not to say it needs to go completely. That's where the individual has to discern what's right for them. Like I mentioned, I eat much less gluten. Like I probably only eat it if I'm at a cafe and I know the gluten-free bread is going to be not the best option because that's also, we might think something healthier because it's gluten-free, but then you see the ingredients and it's like, oh, no, should have just gone for that sourdough <laughs> that had the gluten in the first place. So again, there's so many nuances, but yeah, really like learning to listen to your body um, and knowing that it is more common now for a lot of us to not thrive as much with gluten. Um, and then with dairy, similar sort of thing. Some people are absolutely fine with it. Other people are not. It also depends on the quality of the dairy. And like I always recommend when it comes to dairy, full fat dairy, because when we are having the fat in the dairy, we're getting more like it's more balanced nutritionally. We're getting the fat soluble vitamins that can only be digested and absorbed with the fat in the milk. Um, it's more filling because fat's one of the last macronutrients to leave the digestive tract. So it helps prevent overeating and things like that. Like there's lots of benefits to actually just going full fat the way it was meant to be, the way it comes out of the animal. Um, but then in saying that the health of the animal is also impacting the quality of the milk or the cheese or whatever product we're having from them. So aiming to have better quality, so like free range or organic or pasture raised when it comes to those kinds of animal products can be really beneficial because it's going to be a healthier animal producing a healthier product. And that will make it better for the body ultimately if you choose to have dairy. Mm. So even things like processing can impact the way that we are able to absorb it. Like obviously here in Australia, raw milk is illegal technically, but um, some may argue that it's actually more easily absorbed and metabolized because it's got enzymes in there. Obviously you want to be really careful with that because it is like more susceptible to going bad quicker and all those kinds of things. But 
yeah, the processing of certain products also impacts it. So what I'd say with dairy is, again, just tuning into how does it make you feel? Um, it can be healthy when we're getting really good quality stuff, less processed stuff, but then there's also going to be really like poor quality that's come from like animals that have been kept in really awful conditions and not treated well. And therefore there's going to be like a not so healthy dairy. So it's kind of a very nuanced way of answering your question, but ultimately the message there is like everyone's different and just learning to feel into what feels right for you, but always going for the best quality, whatever it may be. That's such great advice too, because the processing, we often don't think about the processing with raw ingredients as well as like, what does that look like from farm to table? Because there are so many sprays and different techniques that they use and have evolved over time to increase production, to increase efficiency, and that has come at a cost. And I think we often forget that is that the overconsumption of a lot of these things over the years has changed the quality of the product. So although we can have a lot of this stuff on demand and we don't really eat very seasonally like what we used to, what, at what cost does that come at? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's so interesting when you think about it as well, because often like, like you mentioned earlier, we're wired for convenience and we often go for convenience at like whatever cost and humans were innately like lazy beings. Like we prefer convenient, comfortable, yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a reality of being a human. And when we can understand that, we can also use that to our advantage and be like, okay, how can we make it convenient, but still in alignment with our values for health? Um, but yeah, when we think about how lucky we are and how convenient even being able to go to a shop and get vegetables is like, we might want the even more convenient, ready-made, ready-chopped, all those kinds of things. And that's a blessing. We have a availability of those these days as well. But when you actually take it back and what you were saying around like that production process and like, even just that vegetable, for example, getting to the supermarket, imagine if we had to do that all ourselves. Imagine if we had to grow all our food and go and go to the effort of that. So when we kind of step back and we're like, we're thinking we need convenience in terms of like packaged foods, ready-made stuff, but it's like, even just the fact that we can go to one or two shops and get everything we need to eat. That's so convenient. I didn't have to wait months for my veggies to grow. I didn't have to like slaughter my own animal. Like we are so lucky to have that kind of convenience, but we've kind of gone towards hyper convenience and we're just like, yeah, when we can zoom out and be like, oh, actually, it is convenient even just being able to buy real food and have access to that. It kind of makes us grateful and step back and be like, oh, cool, we can put that little bit of extra effort into cooking something for ourselves. Although you're conditioned for convenience, how can you start to decondition yourself from that? And that may even look like, and that for me on my journey, it was planning ahead because yes. I never planned ahead. And planning ahead seems like such a, you know, we do it in every other aspect of our life. We have a calendar full of things upcoming, but when it comes to food, that convenience piece overrules ourselves time and time again. And 
we get to the grocery shop and we, you know, we throw in things that we, you know, we may not even know what we're buying when we go there and we're just throwing in things for the sake of it. But that piece of planning ahead so that you've got time to plan what you're going to have for the week, but then also you're intentionally planning to eat well because you have time. You're not running on this cycle of just pick something up and, and you know, who knows what that might be in a time where you are stressed and, you know, under the pump with work and you just go for the convenient option. Yeah, deconditioning and, and, and planning ahead. Um, what would you say to someone who is starting that journey and starting to change the way that they look at food Uh, and where would you start if you were redefining what your meals look like and coming to a new concept of a balanced meal like what does what does that look like in terms of a whole food approach yeah I love this question Um, So what I would say first is kind of like reflecting on what you're currently eating and what does a current like day look like or week look like or plate look like and working from there, because when you kind of like have that awareness of what you're currently eating, you can make like a plan of how to change that. And it doesn't have to change overnight. It's not like you have to go from eating freezer meals to eating like the most beautiful colorful like instagram worthy meals it's totally not the case (laughs) but just like let's not set unrealistic expectations setting ourselves up for failure if we're like expecting all our meals to look like instagram worthy (laughs) um so first i'd like reflect on okay like what am I currently eating? What am I doing well? What might not be as in alignment with this real food philosophy? What's like more processed and how can I kind of tweak that? So I'd start there. And then it's really important to have an understanding of what a balanced meal looks like. So a balanced meal, there's like an easy formula that I kind of go by as a rule. And again, everything's nuanced, but let's go for the general rule. So you want about 50% vegetables on your plate, And then every meal should have one of the three main macronutrients. So we want a source of protein, which we get mostly from things like meat, um, from poultry, from fish, from seafood, from dairy products, eggs. You also get it from beans and lentils, like those kinds of legumes. You get small amounts from nuts and seeds as well. So you want some form of protein with that meal. Protein is going to help to keep us full. It's going to help with that satiation. We need protein for many different functions within our body. So it's really important that we meet our protein requirements throughout the day. And we can do that by having some protein with every meal. So you can build your meal around the protein. For example, if you're like, oh, I'm going to have a Sunday roast. Beautiful. That's your protein there. Now, how do we get 50% vegetables on your plate? And then let's add some complex carbohydrates or some carbohydrates of some kind. Um, So what we want when we're looking at the plate, it's the 50% veggies, one quarter of the protein and one quarter of a carbohydrate. So carbohydrates, we get them from whole grains. So that's things like wheat, rye, barley, but then there's also the ones that are gluten-free. So you've got like your quinoa, your amaranth, millet, teff, those kinds of grains, even like buckwheat, they're technically pseudo grains um, and those ones are a carbohydrate. 
and then you've got starchy vegetables. So it could be some potato, it could be some sweet potato, it could be some pumpkin, but those more starchy vegetables count under that carbohydrate category. So you want to have some sort of carbohydrate on there. And this is an important one because I feel like diet culture has ingrained us and just told us that carbs are the devil and carbs are going to make us fat, just like fat will make us fat, just like this. <laughs> then you pick everything and it's like, no, we actually really need carbs as a part of a healthy and balanced diet. It's just about getting the right ratio. Like we don't want our whole diet to be carbs. That's not going to support us because we're not getting the good proteins. We're not getting the healthy fats. We're not getting the less starchy vegetables. So of course we it's all in balance. And this is part of like this balance plate formula, right? It's like getting the right balance of each of them rather than just like focusing only on one. So same goes for, this is why I don't believe in any kind of like extreme diets. I know lots of people thrive off like a carnivore diet. However, there's also some detriments to not getting enough fiber and things in your diet, which is my, why I kind of get people to zoom out from any kind of like hardcore diet where it's like, no, I only eat plants or no, I only eat meat. And it's like, how can we incorporate all of the things in a really balanced way so that we're meeting all of the different nutritional needs we require because different foods contain different nutrients. So it's really beneficial to get a variety. It's one of like the guidelines I also recommend. So back to that balanced plate, we've got our veggies, we've got our protein, we've got some carbohydrates of some kind. And then with every meal, I also recommend having some source of healthy fats as well. Now, fats in itself is a huge topic and there's a lot of things I could say about certain types of fats, but some healthy fats are things like avocado, extra virgin olive oil, oily fish and different types of seafood, nuts, seeds, nut butters, those kinds of things are like our healthy fats. The not so healthy fats are the more processed fats, funny that, <laughs> the non-real food ones. So that's more of those like vegetable oils or the canola oil or safflower oil, sunflower oil, more of those oils that have been highly processed and aren't as in alignment with the real food philosophy. Um, or things like margarine. So when it comes to fats, focusing on like the real food versions of fats that we get from things like oily fish or avocado or extra virgin olive oil, which is very different to the other types of oils. Can you speak into that a little bit, the oil piece? Because I mean, I know growing up, we used canola oil a lot. Like that was the go-to. Like extra virgin olive oil was not even really a thing back then. And I remember we had, you know, all the, all of the different oils, but then now I look at the labels of things and with the small knowledge that I have about them, which is only small. And I'm, I hope that you can enlighten us a little bit more on that, but it, it is vegetable oil is in everything. Even health foods. It, yeah, it drives me crazy. It's so sad, especially because there's some amazing health foods out there that if it wasn't for like the sunflower oil or the vegetable oil, I'd be like, yes, this is amazing. And again, I'll bring in that approach of like real food majority of the time doesn't mean we can't have some sunflower oil every now and then. But it's not something that I'd recommend consuming regularly. And so there's a couple of main reasons. One of the reasons that vegetable oils and those kinds of oils aren't beneficial for our health is because of the production process they go through. They go through extensive processing. They to the point where these oils are being like heated and going rancid and then needing like different solvents and um 
deodorizers and things to bring them back to like a color that's not like weird and murky and gross and like so they don't smell and all these kinds of things so there's all these kind of chemicals that are going throughout that production process and essentially it's highly processed but then that's just one side of it then it's also from an inflammatory perspective so when it comes to our fats there's um, some essential fatty acids that we need to get through our diet, right? So omega-3, omega-6, these are kind of things that we've probably all heard of. Like we all know, yeah, fish oil, it's great for us. It's full of omega-3. So um, the two essential fatty acids are omega-6 and omega-3. And omega-3 we get from like the seafood and that kind of stuff or certain seeds and nuts as well. But omega-6 is actually a lot more prevalent in foods. And the ideal ratio of omega-3 and omega-6 is one to four. But unfortunately, these days, because omega-6 is so much more easily accessible and it's in a lot more of the foods we're eating, it's more like a one to 16 or one to 24 kind of ratio. So it's a lot more omega-6 than we ideally should be having. Don't like using the word should, but for optimal health, it's more than recommended when that ratio is one to four. So what happens when we're having a lot of vegetable oils is they're very high in omega-6. So it's driving that ratio out of balance. And when that ratio is out of balance, it's more inflammatory for our body. And inflammation is at the root of like all disease or all kinds of conditions. Like inflammation is just one of the worst things for us. Um, So when we're, even though it's technically a fat, it's technically an essential fatty acid, omega-6, these oils are very high in the omega-6, so it's really throwing that out of balance. So unless we're eating like crazy amounts of omega-3 and seafood and bringing that back into balance, it's also leading to a lot of like, it can be leading to a lot of inflammation within the body as well. Wow, those ratios, like from 1 to 4 to 1 to 16 blows my mind. Like that's over double what it was. Like that's crazy yeah so we're getting a lot of it and yeah vegetable oils are one of the most abundant sources of omega-6 so it's just easy one they're highly processed and like the production process is just nasty (laughs) but then you add in like that inflammation that they can be contributing to and it's like just kind of an easy win it's like yeah cool all right I'll go for like those healthier oils and the oils I do recommend are things like the extra virgin olive oil also coconut oil is a good one Um, And then for cooking, things like butter and ghee. I know they've been demonized and like the cholesterol world and heart health, but it's actually like, (laughs) that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Yeah, but that's a whole other thing because the reality is our liver makes majority of our cholesterol. So it's not actually the foods we're eating that are giving us high cholesterol levels. The problem with cholesterol isn't the cholesterol itself. It's what happens when there's too much inflammation in the body. So it's like, kind of this like cycle, this weird cycle that we've been fed this information that it's like we need more omega-6, which drives inflammation up, and less cholesterol, which will like we need cholesterol and our body makes cholesterol anyway. So it's just kind of like a warped perspective of it. Essentially, like cholesterol-containing foods aren't the issue, but vegetable oils and trans fats and things like margarine are a problem because they contribute to inflammation, which also negatively impacts our cholesterol. So it's all kind of linked. Yeah, and they are in everything, everything. Like there is oil in everything. That like even like you say, like that a lot of the health food products. When you do start down that journey and you think you're doing a great thing, walking down the very limited health food section at the supermarket, 
you think, oh, great, like I'm in the health food section, like I'm, you know, I'm steering away from all these processed stuff and you pick up something and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's it. all the ingredients are great except for like sunflower oil or canola oil and and other little hidden things in them, which makes it really sneaky. Yeah, totally. You're like, why? You've got a health food product and you're putting all this stuff in. I don't understand. <laughs> totally. And you also made a good point, like going down that health food aisle, majority of what's in the health food aisle isn't actually healthy. So I feel like that's a whole nother myth that needs to be busted. It's like we think we're going to like the health food aisle. It's like this is where the good stuff is. The health food aisle is the fruit and veggie section. It is like the meat and dairy section. It's like the real food section of the supermarket, not the health food aisle of the supermarket. <laughs> it's that like advertising, false advertising, totally. isn't it? Like the marketing and like, yeah, certain choice of words that they use on packages or colors they use on packages. And this is why it's really important to have kind of that basic education and like have the discipline I suppose the one way to put it to look at the ingredients list and not just look at the front of a packet and be like oh it's natural or it's organic or it says healthy um it's like but are they actually being integral to their word let's look at the ingredients and let's check for ourselves (laughs) so yeah (laughs) oh there's so many products now that label themselves as organic and it does make you question like I know that there are standards but it's also treading carefully around some of those things because if you're buying a Coles organic product Mm -hmm. is it actually organic or if you're going to the markets you have a higher chance of it actually being purer organic because I know even where I grew up I grew up um, around farms and they had I remember there was this one little organic farm and they were forever fighting against the other farms because they had organic standards to uphold but they are still very what's the word they're still very borderline like they in terms of what you think organic is is completely spray free and all the things sometimes they're not sometimes it's a percentage and you probably maybe know more about the standards around that than I do, but they were right next door to a traditional farm and the chemicals would just roll across and they they were in the worst spot unfortunately, because they were always fighting against this farm because they had these organic standards to uphold to, which was made very challenging by their lovely neighbours who, you know, are supplying the big supermarket chains to keep with their organic standards so that they could still pass to be able to put their products in, but also challenging in the sense that they're still affected by the elements and the circumstances around them. Totally. So it's that's also a challenging perspective. Yeah, it's such a good point. And even like that's one really good way of looking at it. And then there's also like looking at things that are like they say they're organic, but then you look at the ingredients and it's like, yeah, okay, it's organic, but it's still organic sunflower oil or organic canola oil <laughs> or maybe it's organic sugar. And it's like 
60% sugar still. Yes, it's organic, but it's still really high in sugar and not going to be the most beneficial thing for our health ultimately. So it's like there's a few ways that it's still beneficial to question and discern when it comes to organic products and the way things are being marketed or sold. Mm, so key, just having that foundation knowledge, which is not which is not hard once you decondition yourself from from what you know you know to what you don't know and just have an open mind to learning and educating yourself around the basics of food and if it's not for yourself it's for your family you know do it do it for your family i want to loop back you mentioned um inflammation and i know on the diet that i did the elimination diet the whole purpose of that was to cleanse my body of the inflammation and take out things that were affecting it, which for me was a lot of dairy, a lot of gluten. It was the key culprits um, to a lot of people's inflammation. But how do you start to identify if you do have inflammation in your body and, and how do you go about rectifying that? Yeah. So to some degree, we all have some level of inflammation. Um, It's just going to happen naturally through biochemical processes and what the body does. But what happens is when the inflammation is too high, that that's when it starts to become an issue. And that's when we start to see symptoms develop and things. So as a general kind of blanket thing, we all probably have inflammation. In some cases, it's okay. It's, It's under control. It's only a small amount. It's fine. Our body's just doing its thing. In other cases, it's like, well, okay, something needs to be done here because there's too much inflammation. And this is where you start to notice symptoms. So in your case, there was the fatigue and you're like, why am I napping so much? So you started to question that. And that was beautiful because you could have just thought, you know what, I'm just napping a bit more and like gone about your life and never discovered health and like never changed your diet and things. But generally there's going to be some telltale signs. Some people it will be fatigue. Some people it will be brain fog. Others it will be like headaches. Um, It might actually be a particular condition or disease. So you'll notice some sort of symptom, but ultimately you won't feel your best. Because for me, health is not just like a lack of any symptoms or disease. It's also like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel vital and vibrant? And that doesn't mean you have to be happy all the time. I'm not saying from that perspective, it's more like in your body. How do you feel? Do you feel clear headed? Do you feel relatively energized? Or is there something that might be amiss and askew there? Or are you constantly bloated? Or are you not going to the toilet every day, like not passing a stool every day? Uh, when you urinate, is it super yellow? Like you dehydrated, like all these kinds of things, they're all going to be telling us like there's different measures of health that our body is constantly giving us information through. That's our bowel motions, whether we're passing a stool, the texture, the color, those kinds of things, they can give us information. Ultimately there, we want to be going to the bathroom at least once a day to pass a stool minimum. Anything less than that is considered constipation. And I highly recommend working on that um, and getting it to a daily thing. When you think about how much food we're putting into our body, is that all coming out or is it kind of like lingering and (laughs) festering in our gut? So that's like it's a no brainer. Hey, totally. Yeah. But then we've also, as women, we've got our cycle that we can refer to. Is that relatively regular and consistent? Do we have PMS kind of symptoms at different phases of our cycle or is that kind of smooth? Are we pain free or is it really painful? That's all signs and symptoms of potential like imbalances or inflammation. 
Um, they're like two of the main ones, but then you've even got like energy levels, of course. You've got things like your libido. We're supposed to have a libido. If our libido is non-existent, that can actually be a sign that our health isn't optimal. So just noticing and building that body awareness that I was referring to before as well. And that's going to be a really important key in understanding if you've got that, um, if you've got inflammation going on or if you've got some nutritional things that you need to address. It's just the simple things, isn't it? That awareness piece of becoming aware of what you're choosing, what your body's doing and how you feel because we often pass off fatigue for, oh, I'm just really busy or, uh, you know, we've just got a lot on, you know, we've got a lot on with the kids and family and work and stress and we pass everything off. But a lot of those times it's an underlying problem that we've got that we've just not become aware of. Yeah, and you just touched on something really important there too, stress. If you're stressed, you're inflamed. <laughs> like, so pretty much every human. <laughs> so stress is a really big one to work on reducing. And there's also many tests we can do. And like I recommend getting regular like yearly blood tests from your doctor. And then if there's anything you need to investigate further, there's so many amazing tests we can do. Blood tests, stool tests, hormone tests, all these kinds of things if you need to go down that route. But starting with that awareness, that's going to be a really key piece of the puzzle um, and help guide you down that road. Mm. And tests don't have to be just when you've got something wrong. You can also just go and get a blood test to check your levels of things and do it as a preventative measure opposed to doing it when you've hit rock bottom. Yeah, because then it's even harder like to get back up from there. It's... <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're at rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> how do you come back yeah it's possible and it's easy yeah yeah but no I so agree and health in general I really believe in like having a preventative measure like really looking after my own health and encouraging others to look after their health so that they live their best life and they're able to go out and have the energy to be with loved ones and create their passion and like do all of the things they want to do in this life rather than just going through life and then getting sick and then having to be like, Oh, okay, now I've got to overhaul my whole life. And then it gets to be better, but it's like, how can we actually just improve our quality of life through looking after our health day to day rather than waiting for something to go wrong? Mm. So, so important. And it just seems ironic that we don't. Mm. We, yeah. you know, we, we talk about it so much, the our quality of life and like our happiness and all of the things, but yet, you know, we're, we're reaching for often the, the wrong things because of the way that we've been conditioned. So it's just coming back to basics, how people have lived for years, years and years up until this point, like a lot of this processed food has only come in like in the last, you know, 20 odd years. It really hasn't been around that long. Totally. 
And it's scary because the more we see a rise in processed foods and people consuming more processed foods, the more we see a rise in disease rates. And it's like, we're just at the beginning of that. Like you said, it hasn't been that long. Like a hundred years ago, our food system looked completely different. Like if I look back to my grandparents and how they used to eat, like growing everything in their backyard and like just super wholesome, um, compared to what like a standard person's diet is these days, it's so different. And we're still only just learning the long-term impact and long-term effects of that, but we can already see it from the increase in all sorts of lifestyle conditions. Yeah. And that's only going to increase. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's our job to be like, okay, no, that's enough. Not me, not my family, not those that I am lucky enough to have an impact on. Yeah, but I so agree with you. Like it really does need to be something we prioritize our health because ultimately without our health, we don't have anything because we think about when you get sick and you realize how much you've taken for granted your health. I'll speak for myself. Like when I get sick and I'm like, oh my God, I feel awful. I, I miss being able to like get out of bed or like to talk properly or like which, whatever type of sickness is impacting me at that time. I just think like, wow, why do I take that for granted? And it's a beautiful reminder of like, if we don't look after our health, that's going to be our reality more often or can be our reality if we do end up getting really ill down the track so just remembering and being like okay when I have my health I can do all the other things there's no point prioritizing going out there and making all this money if I don't even have my health to enjoy it there's no time prior there's no point prioritizing like all of these deep connected relationships if I don't even have my own health and I can't actually be present with people because I'm feeling awful when I'm in conversation with them or things like that. So it's really like our health is at the core of everything and it will just enhance all areas of our life. So if we start with our health and it doesn't have to be difficult, like you said, it is coming back to the basics. It's things like real food, it's things like drinking enough filtered water, moving our bodies, getting enough sleep, stressing less, like it gets to be that simple. But unfortunately, the diet industry, the health industries, they, it makes it seem like, oh, we have to do all these things. We have to biohack our way to optimal health or have all these expensive gadgets or all these superfoods. And it's actually like, can we nail the basics first? They're all amazing add-ons, but we don't have to be doing all those things. They're all benefits. And let's not use them as self-punishment techniques also, because there's like a never ending list of things we could be doing for our health. But if we just nail the basics, it takes so much pressure off and we'll feel so much better. And then we can do all the other stuff when and if it feels relevant. Mm, yeah, that in itself. Hey, and you have an incredible program where you teach people exactly that. Can you share a little bit more about that for anyone that's listened to this conversation and has thought to themselves, I would love to start to change the way that I look at food and I look at holistic health. How do you help them walk through that process? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a six-week program called The Real Food Way, which is ultimately just like reconditioning us and deconditioning a lot of what we thought we knew about food or what we've been told by diet culture and helping us ditch the diets and ditch the diet mentality and just come back to eating real food in a really healthy and aligned way by working from that behavioral level as well. So teaching us how to have healthy eating habits rather than the all or nothing kind of approaches that are all over the internet. <laughs> so yeah, it's really just coming back to those basics, giving those foundational 
rules, guidelines, education, but also helping us heal our relationship with food by knowing it's what we do majority of the time. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to fear certain foods. There's like an emotional kind of layer to it as well and removing any of the shame or the guilt that we may have been placing upon ourselves when eating foods that weren't the healthiest and that kind of stuff. So it's a very like balanced approach to food that supports long-term yeah what a gift to have that knowledge and to be able to walk through a program that teaches you exactly that the foundations and it's just I think it it gives me hope that there are people out there like you who are advocating for this whole food whole lifestyle approach that makes it so simplistic and easy and it's not about shunning the things that you've been doing is just making the small shifts and even if it's just one thing at a time and or even just having the knowledge to be able to make better decisions and changing one thing at a time that's that's an accumulative effect totally and that's going to work yeah it's going to support our behavior change and the way that our minds and our bodies desire to work is with those small incremental changes rather than trying to overhaul things and then it's like not too much change too quickly because we're afraid of that it's like what happens when everything changes like our mind will come in and it'll be like nope nope go back to the comfortable um yeah and I really believe like taking care of our health is such an act of self-love And it can actually be used as a punishment tool. And I know in the past I've come to health as more of like that self-punishment tool or like wanting to change myself because I didn't love the way my body was or I was, yeah, just wanted to change myself. And therefore I came to health from that perspective. But what I'm also really passionate about is really helping people see health and food as a real gift to themselves and a real way of loving ourselves because we're taking that time to nourish ourselves and nourish our bodies. And we're like showing ourselves that we're worthy and deserving of that. And we're worthy and deserving of feeling amazing um, and eating this beautiful, nutritious food and moving our bodies and all those kinds of things. So I feel like it's really beautiful part of it of like really having that like self-love approach rather than oh I need to change myself I'm going to do this so then then I can love myself it's like actually we, we can do that along the way we are so incredibly blessed to have the resources that we have and the produce and it's just it blows my mind when you actually stop to think about what we have been gifted to consume on this planet it it is so beautiful like even when you think about like honey the way that honey comes about and I just blows my mind every time I think about it and to be able to enjoy that in a way that is exciting and fun for you and for your family is such a gift Mm, yeah that's so true it really is such a gift we're very lucky Yeah. And that's another thing, like healthy eating is never boring or bland. Like if, if someone's telling you that they're doing it the wrong way, I'm sorry. (laughs) Healthy, like this, like you said, honey, delicious, so much more delicious in my opinion than so much of like the processed sweets or lollies and things. And like, 
we have raspberries that's like nature's lollies <laughs> and then you've got like all these like beautiful fruits and veggies that you can put together in unique combinations and they can be flavor sensations so just because we're embarking on like a healthy eating journey doesn't mean we have to give up on taste or pleasure from food it actually can be really enhanced especially as our taste buds get used to eating real food and really like being able to get the most out of those beautiful fresh tastes not the artificial taste that they then get desensitized from like the real food kind of tastes it's yeah I find like healthy eating to be so delicious so it's like great for our health and also we still get to enjoy it along the way how can you be sad when you're eating all of the colors of the rainbow like it is beautiful yeah and when you're eating in season as well when you're eating in season everything tastes amazing like why are we reaching to things that aren't in season then we wonder why they don't taste any good there's a reason for that yeah of course it's going to be bland (laughs) yeah totally agree with that Oh, and it's coming up to mango season. I yes. love mango season. Oh my god, I've been having some mangoes and yeah, I yeah, I love mango season also. <laughs> oh, best time of year, honestly. Best time of year. Absolutely. Oh, this conversation has been such a pleasure and I think there is so many key takeaways um, within this conversation for people to even just pick up and implement today. But if they are wanting to dive a little bit deeper and dive into your program or find out more about what you do, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm over on Instagram a lot and that's just at Shana Sarpi. That's S-H-A-H-N-A-S-A-R-P-I. And then my website is shanasarpi.com. So all of my info is, yeah, between those. Fantastic. And we will put all the links so that everyone can jump on and jump across. Shana also has fantastic Instagram page with like swaps. And I love looking at your posts about the swaps because it puts it into such a simple way of looking at what you can swap out so easily from just one product to the next. And for me, I'm a visual learner. So for me, I love those because I'm like, right, this is the brand and I just need to buy this brand instead. So I yes. love that. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for being here. It's been um, such a pleasure. And um, as I say, we'll drop all the links so that everyone can get in contact um, with you and dive into your program if um, if they want to explore and, um, you know, change Change, start to change the way that they look at food and um, create a new foundation for a healthier way forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been the best. I've really enjoyed being here and getting to have this chat. So thank you. Thank you for being with us for this episode of the Holistic Life Podcast. If you're seeking a like-minded community to walk alongside you on your health journey, we've got just the place. Join our exclusive Facebook group, the Holistic Life Podcast Community, a place to support and inspire each other every step of the way. And don't let inspiration stop here. Dive deeper into this episode's insights and additional resources waiting for you at theholisticcollective.com. It's your hub for show notes, links, and all things holistic living. Remember, wellness is a journey. Each step you take is a step towards intentional, vibrant, and meaningful living.